0: Welcome to Inside the Pipe, the industrial refrigeration podcast that covers the work, lifestyle, and hazards of a career in natural refrigeration, where we love the smell of ammonia and hate the smell of sulfur. Here's your host, Joshua Reese.
1: What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? And it is, it, it's is—it's definitely official, ladies. 5% of my listeners are ladies. So on average, I have like 118 downloads a day. So that's 5%. So what's that? That's 10, 11.8 divided by 2, which would be, five. I don't know, 5.5, 5.9, almost 6 women. We're 0.1%. We're uh tenth of a percent to a full woman. So now you guys know how I do math. Shout out to my wife as well. She just made me probably one of the most delicious sandwiches that I've ever had. So thanks! Thanks, babe! Um... So there were some pretty cool things that went on this past week. Um, I got, I think that the, you know, so I, I've been with Clauser for for almost two years, coming up on two years. So that's whenever they first started in the United States, which are, we've grown massively since then. Good service, good leadership, all that stuff. Um, you know, when your company's growing big, it's because they're giving out a good product. Um, so, I'm really proud of that. I'm proud to be a part of that. But when you start at a company, especially as young as, or at, you know, even though they're an old company and we were new in the United States, you experience growing pains. And us as humans, we don't like change. We really don't. That's why we go home and we do the exact same shit and we watch the exact same television show and we crack the same amount of beers and all, you know, we're what what would you call it? We are creatures of habit, right? So if you're struggling a lot, you should look at your habits. You know, it's our habits that are self-sabotaging. It's our habits that keep us where we're at. And one of our habits is to not like change. So when you're doing a startup like this, you have to be able to be okay with change because things are constantly evolving. We we got bigger and bigger. Had to add more people. More people c- creates more problems. More problems creates solutions that that need to happen. So I understand that, <clears throat> and we I got a new boss this week. Um, which is for the most part, this is really the only time that has changed. But you know, I I one thing that I noticed is that. The attitude that I have now is I, I want to support the company in any way that I can. And it's not because of them. It's because of my, it's because of me. It's, it's that, that's my integrity. That's, I know who I am. At the end of the day, when you lay down on your bed, you know who you are. You know what you did right. And you know what you did wrong. Right. So I, I notice that I am embracing change better than I ever have. And I'm very thankful for that. I like when I see these little snippets, you know, sometimes I'm really hard on myself and I don't give myself any win, you know, and I think that that wears down on you after a while. And so when I did notice this, I tried to give myself, you know, a pat on the back, the old pat on the back. And I mean, I really am glad how far that I've come and I'm glad that I'm able to look at situations like this. This wasn't a bad situation, but I I remember being uncomfortable with things like that. And now I look at it as a challenge. Okay, well, how can I make this work? you know and that is that's having that attitude if you're one of these guys that shows up to work every single day and you're just always pissed off and something's fucked up and and uh, Anita at the parts department can't send shit right and you know you're just going like that look the best saying that i've ever heard was if you don't like your situation change it if you can't change it change your attitude and that will make it that that helps you out so much if you don't like it change your attitude especially if you can't change it you know if you're stuck in the job that that you are at which most people aren't stuck if uh you know if you have an employer that's treating you like shit you need to move on there's no point in putting yourself through that misery um for loyalty you know or you know a lot of people end up talking about loyalty there's no you know loyalty works both ways your company needs to be loyal to you your company needs to be investing in you and if they're not doing that then you need to talk to them about it because guess what we are in charge of our communication and we can go to them and say hey listen this is something that i am wanting to do i want to go to this jeep cap class or i want to go to this arts you know class or i want to go to frick online training Bring that up. That's on you. And then once they realize that you have the interest, hopefully you have a good manager and they recognize that you are somebody to invest in. And really, when people ask those kinds of questions, we know that those are the people that we need to invest in. There's guys out there that you do invest in and then and then sometimes there's guys that you don't, you know I get that. But if you if you're not investing in somebody, you need to be working them out, you know, managers, you know, if you guys are listening, you need to be working the the shitheads out. You know, that's that's a part of your responsibility as a team leader. No bad teams, only bad leaders. That is you cannot go the opposite way. That is an absolute fact. If you have the right leader, they will lead you down the right path. Man, I have really, I really do enjoy doing this. I enjoy talking to people. This is this is stuff that I'm learning daily, right? I'm 37 years old. That's embarrassing to me. I wish my parents would have taught this to me. I love my mom more than anything. My dad's dad. Um, they didn't have a hand in this. I had to learn it later on in life. And I think that that's where a lot of us struggle is we have to learn this shit later on in life after we've already raised kids. You know, it, it just doesn't make any sense. All right. So we're just going to go ahead and get into today's guest. I am joined by Mr. Jonathan Pasco. Um, Jonathan is the president of Votarus in America really good dude very smart this was a great conversation all right let's get into it jonathan what's going on man
0: hey joshua how are you doing i good am doing
1: see. awesome how about you
0: yeah very well week starting positively
1: yeah <laughs> week starting positively yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's,
0: let's see how it plays out
1: isn't that the isn't that the key like it, there, the one thing that I've so I'm like into this all this personal development. I'm like 37 years old, so I don't know if I'm having a midlife crisis or what's going on. But this is the age that I realize that I don't know it all, you know, and that it, it's it's something that you just constantly have to work on yourself.
0: No, hundred percent agree. We we can't know everything. We just try and know a little bit of uh, a little bit of something, and then yeah, yep. And the people
1: it. that are looking for like a cheat code or something, it's to stay positive. You right? Got, you got <laughs> you it. You know, if you can manage to stay positive, that changes so much stuff.
0: 100% mindset's everything.
1: Yes, yeah, for sure. Um so uh, Jonathan, let's let's start you you got an accent, so let's start with where you're from.
0: <laughs> okay, I guess I was born in England. Um Work for this company out of Finland, Vartris, for just over 20 years, and I've been located in the U.S. in North Carolina for the last 10 years. So you've always been with Vartris? Um, poof. I, I wish I was that young. No. <laughs> My past life before that, <laughs> I, I worked in um, pharmaceutical industry, people like GlaxoSmithKline, Novartis, yeah. did a bit of work in uh, filtration, so solid liquid systems, and then I... Um, I joined Vartris in the UK in, you know, two thousand one. I think it was end of two thousand one, and then I had various roles over the years. Spent some time with marketing. Looked after the German company, um, wow. and then took on some responsibilities in Finland. And then they then I was uh, moved out here. But and and as the so what did you start as? So I started as you know the sales guy on the street in the UK, um, yeah. sort of business development type things, and then. Over the years, transgressed through a whole bunch of stuff, you know, even a bit of corporate marketing. Um, managed our German office, and then you know, but it's we're a we're a, we're we're growing as a company. We're growing like twenty percent a year, yeah. Uh, and it, but we we try and limit the the bureaucracy, so we all kind of you know make our own coffee, yeah, empty our own trash and science. So it's I, I love the 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 sort of atmosphere we've we've generated. It very much is a family company.
1: Yeah. So let me ask you this. I I don't know. I know that you're probably not prepared for this, but I'm going to, I've got to, got to ask you, what's the key to doing that? What's the key from going from the, because you're the president, right? I mean, yeah. Of of the United States. Yeah. Responsible
0: for what we've got here. And I I think the key is creating your own opportunities. If you can see an opportunity and you can justify it, smart people around will see it. And, you know,
1: okay so like when when you say not that i'm trying to get too granular but yeah when you say creating what do you mean by that like creating the opportunity
0: so i I, so how did i end up in the us i think i said at a meeting somebody said we're a global company i said well not quite we're not doing much in north america and i think most probably the following monday i was pushed off in a boat with a one-way ticket (laughs) but you know you need that you need that drive you need that belief um but there needs to be a justification and and if you can if you can have that desire and you you're willing to make things happen, um, you know the company supported me every step of the way. I mean, luckily I've had wow. you know good mentorship, good um, good management around me, which has which has helped me kind of go in whichever direction we needed to go. Yeah, of course. Yeah, it's a result, that is basically. important. Yeah.
1: <laughs> that That really can and like to some of the listeners out there having to, like getting a lot of the negative stuff. Like if you're surrounded by so many, so much negative stuff, that really is kind of what keeps you in that position. But if you have positive mentors, you know, somebody to lead you in the right direction, that really does make a difference.
0: Yeah. So it's, it's been, it's been fun. We've, we've had some, some yeah. interesting days over the 20 years, but we're, we're in real good times at the moment. That's for sure.
1: Nice. Um. So let's get into Vodaris. Like, what are you? So y'all guys, slowly creeped up in the business. Like it wasn't like, I don't think anybody saw it coming because I didn't, I remember it was like 2017 that I first saw one of your chillers and somebody I I asked Mark, who is one of the engineers at target. I was like, what is it? And he says, I don't know. It's some kind of, shell and plate and frame. And so, and so he goes, and I'm like, well, what? And so I grabbed the P&IDs and I start looking at it. And it was definitely something way more different than anything that I had ever seen in yeah. the industry. So that was my first experience. And then before I know it, I turn around and I start just seeing them
0: everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, I don't know, it, it's kind of like the market here. It's a bit like our integration into IAR. It took us the first five years to become part of the furniture. And then after that, you suddenly get accepted. But yeah. I assume you're talking about Mark Wisniewski. Oh,
1: man.
0: Okay. Mark is, yeah. So Mark Mark was involved with a company in Atlanta, what was called previously uh, RDM Technologies, now as mm-hmm. Synergy Refrigeration, and yeah. they were one of the first people to install something on, on on with scale of our equipment in the states, and that's back in two thousand four, two thousand five. Doug Sweet was working wow. with Mark and Mike okay. Casano, and they put a big installation in Coca Cola in Atlanta. Um, so that, yeah, that was what awesome. was it, what was it? Just out of curiosity, what was it used for? Was it product chillers? It was ammonia, ammonia glycol. Yeah,
1: and we had oh, to chill.
0: Are you were you okay so indirect so yeah, yeah so we got um and the chillers and the condensers and i remember some crazy numbers the key point was it it would it shrunk the refrigerant charge to almost a tenth of what it was yeah and that a whole exposure to risks a zone around the installation if there was a release um it was a it, that was a that was a big big step for us um because before that i think really in the states we were just sort of the oil coolers on on the frick packages
1: can I can I ask how you're feeding liquid to them? Is that is that anything that? Yeah, no, I don't think there's anything special. Um, it's is it does it got a a, a surge drum above it or is it yeah? Is it, it those does?
0: ones? Yeah, those ones in Atlanta. They that's those were conventional chiller in the surge drum above feed into the surge drum, recirculate the the ammonia external to the ex, you know in an external pipe into the bottom of the exchanger, and then your riser into the surge.
1: So I'm not going to I don't know if I've mentioned um offline the customer that I have I ha- I, I don't really want to even if I say it I can bleep it out it's not a big deal but it's it's so okay. I am going to bleep that out that way mm-hmm. but um they are they're they're feeding we have three do you are you aware of that system do you know that system I think so okay so there it's a high pressure it's a critically charged system mm-hmm. high pressure feed it was. I'm also going to blank this out whenever I do it. But it was also it's a, it's valves that are feeding the the system. Mm-hmm. Okay, so um, we we which is a whole nother story because we are quite we are having quite a few issues with that. But the that that's not, it doesn't have a search drum. It's,
0: no. it's a, Now I remember it's those those ones that the client you're talking about are yeah. what we call our combined product. And what it is, is it's a chiller with the integrated surge in one shell. So it's ideal for critical charge systems, low charge.
1: Okay. All right. So Man, I'm going to have to do more yeah. research on those because I don't, because that's the only time I've ever seen them like this. Mm-hmm. And w- me and you had a conversation the other day, which led me to, I yes. was almost, you know, thinking, <laughs> well, I wonder if we're
0: having any issues with that. But, but there's a big shift in the market to, to away from, us selling conventional chillers to these combined ones. And it's whether it be charge or whether it be the fact that everybody's shop is slammed and it's, it's less on the construction side of it. You don't need a separate surge, but we've seen, a this year, particularly a meteoric shift in that direction, but people like, um, a lot of other end users, um, General Mills craft have a lot in their plant, um, of this type. Yeah. Um, that's
1: funny because that almost makes me I, it feels like low charge ammonia systems are the way of the future. Like okay. if like just depending on what between Alta and they have that at the expert system, AvAPco is putting out their you know they're A very six and the great thing that I can say about AvAPco is they they're always considering serviceability. Mm-hmm. of their equipment. So they've, they've put out some service uh, parts or tools that would be great for working on them. But uh, is that what you're talking about? Are you seeing a lot more like us with critically charged systems that are?
0: Yeah, yeah, okay. 100%. And, you know, that that is one of the big drivers. I mean, it, this wave is is, is already upon us in the States. I mean, Europe yeah. was a little bit ahead because of regulations and everything else. But now, and there is this consciousness in the market, natural refrigerants, you know, particularly with ammonia based systems, reducing the charge and it's, we, we got a great fit for it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, even as uh, Clauger, we, we have, uh, I think, I mean, several options when it comes to look like that's one of the things that we, uh, and I guess that makes sense because we're a French company. So, you know, we already know what's coming down the mm-hmm. pipeline. So that, I mean, that definitely makes sense. It's, it's a massive thing right now,
0: especially in new construction. So
1: with and your frankly, chillers, have
0: almost have a a kind of base design in France with, with what we'll call our combined with a condenser so it's it, it yes. changes each package they design it specific to each project but the concept is um has worked very well with france and we've even done some uh projects with uh, the pleasure team in mexico
1: nice that's so funny, man. Y'all have. So why don't we go over like yeah. the different types of chillers or he- heat exchangers that you guys put out? Because even when we had our offline conversation, I did not recognize that those were your heat exchangers on some of the equipment that you listed okay. out.
0: Okay. Well, the concept is the same. We, we only have this one type plate and shell. So what we're using is we're using fully welded plates. So there's no gaskets involved. Fully welded plates. And we house it in in a shell in a pressure vessel yeah so externally it looks like a shell and tube but internally it's full of these circular fully welded plates so you've got the effectively the thermal performance of a plate heat exchanger and the mechanical capability of a tubular Mm -hmm. and it's interesting we just mentioned about co2 you know the pressures the working pressures are starting to move up in systems whether it be a cascade system or beyond uh so we've got a pressure capability of around two thousand pounds um so we can we can really push it up and then um but it's what we're doing is we're packing a lot of surface area per unit volume and that's how we, we we're being able to keep the size down so compared to a tubular we could be about one quarter one fifth of the size
1: yeah to a and, tubular on, um, uh, like, so y'all, do you guys, y'all also like? Those are your heat exchangers on Fricks, right?
0: Yeah. So, so we've got this same concept, plate and shell, but we they're used as chillers, condensers, desuperheaters, subcoolers, oil coolers, um, all around a refrigeration cycle. It can be used. You, but you're right. The where we kind of started in the US was was oil coolers, the Frick oil coolers, and man, I didn't notice that. <laughs> And now, and now you find them on the, the bits of ACP packages. Yeah. And, um, I think the other generic feature of our equipment is it's a fully engineered product, so it might take mm. a little bit longer to get, but you get what you want rather than what comes off the shelf. Yeah. So we're finding package builders are buying into it. Um, mm. and the, Europe again, it, it's, a, it's a different market to, to the States, but I can see things happening here. People like GEA, they have this Blue Astrum product, which mm-hmm. is um, Evapco, the Evap Evapcold um, mm-hmm. compressor package. People are integrating our equipment into those packages uh, because wow. it, it, it can be customized. Yeah. So if you want an oil pot on the bottom of the exchanger, we can put an oil pot. If um, you want to vent, you want to drain, it, we've got that capability to design in as much or as little as, as is needed. So when, and when a customer
1: is ordering it, what, like one of these heat exchangers from you, do you give them those options?
0: Yeah, um, they can can be. I mean, the combined product we were talking about earlier, the, the chiller with the integrated surge, as yeah. standard, that's got an oil pot on the bottom. It's got your level connections. It's got oil return. It's got a vent, uh, a relief location.
1: When you all say an oil pot, do you mean that? Because I'm just going off of the, the one that I was talking about earlier. That was – I was – I, I we're in the middle of talking them talking to them to put an oil pot on them. Be, is it just a
0: like t- tubular? Is it and it's only pro- maybe a gallon mm-hmm. or yeah, so just, big? Just a little dome on the bottom of the shell where, yes. Uh, if it's ammonia system, the the oil will collect, and then you can have your return line. However, you're going to re- you know do your return, but somewhere where for it to collect. Okay. So I'm trying. I'm trying
1: to sell the customer. I'm putting an oil pot on it when it's already got that, okay. and I'll tell you why. Just because I I don't know if this would be some good feedback for you to get or whatever. I can't tell when it's got oil in it. Yep. So it, because they insulated it right mm-hmm. so we've we ran into an issue with that not that i'm trying to put you on the spot or anything no, i just no. like this is raw conversation yeah. you said that i thought about it you know what i mean yeah. so this this <laughs> just, is
0: great because because you know it, it's rare you get feedback unless something's gone wrong
1: yes and, and then you get horrible feedback <laughs> with a lot of misinformation you know what let's go into that right now okay since we're doing yep. it because i will i, will, I will, let's do that Shoot. so I was in Somersville. As a matter of fact, another guy, one of one of the best, served, love this dude more than anything. He's just a great guy. Dennis Owens. Dennis, <laughs> what's going on, dude? Um, So the where me, me and Dennis work together now, but where we originally met was in Somersville. Do you know Somersville? South Carolina. Yes. Yes. Okay. Do you know where I'm going with this? I do know where you're going. <laughs> okay. All right. So we had a... Vodarist chiller that was on a cascade system that ruptured, and when it ruptured, it dumped the CO2 into the system, created ammonia carbonate. Is that yep.
0: right? Ammonium okay. carbonate, yeah.
1: Carbonate and 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 just now the the customer did not know about it. So when they started having temperature issues and pressure issue, pressure issues, they just started. You know, firing up compressors and stuff like that. So it ended up getting in in a lot of the system that we had. You know, I mm-hmm. mean, they just pretty much it just went everywhere.
0: Um, so, d- do you know what situation I'm talking about? I I do, and it 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 is fascinating because these cascade systems. I mean, it, it's they're great systems, but at the cutting edge of the system, the only place ammonia and CO two can touch is in, yes. in in our heat exchanger. Yes. And, um, it's, I think that is a concern. I mean, it, you, then it comes down to so many different things. Okay. The equipment needs to be manufactured perfectly. Yes. Okay. So we have to have quality checks in place. So we do a standard on cascade exchanges. We do a helium leak test cause it's much more stringent than air. Um, so, but no products perfect. Let's not yes. pretend we've yeah. all had our issues over the years. That's yeah. why I are so great. We learn, um, yeah. But also, equipment is susceptible to how it's used. Mm-hmm. You know,
1: misuse yes, is, sure. it
0: can can be one. Uh, we've seen misapplication of equipment. I mean, yeah. I, I don't want to talk too many of the specifics yeah, of the yeah, actual yeah. one you're talking about because there's there's a whole lot of um, yeah. It doesn't matter. We just need to move on and learn. But, right? but 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 yeah. it's. I think one of the most critical things that when when something like that happens is to learn.
1: Yes. And
0: one of the key things I would say over the years is. The more the supplier can talk with the installer and end user, Mm -hmm. the less stress you have. You know, when you have multiple links in the chain between you, information either gets lost or diluted. And suddenly you you can have these situations. Yeah. So I I, I mean it is because when even if you've got a pinhole, if you've got ammonia and CO2 seeing each other, this reaction is instantaneous. This ammonium carbamate, this white powder.
1: It's gone. Yeah, yeah. So, I, it. I think it is. F- it could only be a pin Well, I mean, I guess so. Because you're looking at that's the condenser of the of this of the CO2, yes. which is what 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 what's the typical pressure that you're looking at on that a it, condenser?
0: it be it be rated to somewhere around uh the the actual exchange Would be rated to around six hundred pounds, it could be working wow. yeah. around four fifty something like that on the CO2. Yeah, side. we're
1: seeing a lot of that, especially with hot gas defrost mm-hmm. in in CO2 which I'm not a huge fan of, but I mean, there's not, the, the pressures are getting much higher. Yeah,
0: no, and, and I think that's it. I mean, it, it, it's it's actually good to talk about a, a, an issue because yeah. those are often glossed over or people use it, excuse to not use it. We've got so many of these installations running beautifully. And, yeah. you know, and the, the, the people involved in that situation down there, it was handled really, really well. And everybody took something away and relationships continued.
1: Yes, and it was
0: um, and it was it was handled, you know, very well from an engineering perspective. That at least sort of sat down, discussed. Okay, let's learn. Um, So, has
1: there been any changes like because of stuff like that? Is there anything that y'all upgraded to try to prevent
0: something or? I mean, you can. I mean, there's 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 different system designers will use different safety provisions. So I think as if you look at the IAR handbooks and things like that, an inline filter in the, in the ammonia riser, that's something you should see. If that pressure differential go, goes up, then you know there's something blocking the filter. It's likely to be that. I've yeah. seen people uh, install ammonium carbamate sensors um, in, in kind of where, the, where an oil pot might typically be. So if you do yeah. see flow it'll be from the co2 side to the ammonia side and then you'll see this and then it goes to a shutoff valve sometimes it comes down to financial uh, yes. considerations other times um there's there's the hazard there's the there's that safety um aspect to it but i mean truthfully when you consider that often these are in cold storage facilities and you may have x million dollars the other side of a wall depending on resting on a on on the system you know having redundancy um you know it it, it, that can be a big help but also you know just the design i mean as i say that the the incident you talked about is great because we actually went in we used our combined product Mm -hmm. and just feeding differently into the exchanger helped within the the design of that system so again you know i think this communication is key i mean we I don't want to talk beyond what what yeah. we know or I know and that's the heat exchanger, but integrating different heat exchangers into systems, they have different characteristics. And I think mm-hmm. um that's one of the keys that we have is, you know, we'll try and have that dialogue before things go live. Yeah. Let me ask you this. Why helium? Why do y'all test it with helium? Because it's it's a much smaller molecule than 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 air. So it's it's done in it's say in the more critical not the more critical and the highest spec industries yeah they'll run a, a helium leak test on, on it because it oh, okay. finds so, so say for example you did a hydro test actually water molecules can hide some some pinholes yeah maybe that you do it dry and you run a helium leak test and it, that would re, that's a, a much more stringent way of seeing that everything's integral or you ha- you may have some
1: yeah, there's a, it's it's fu- or it's a super fluid. Is that what it's yep. called? Super. Yeah, I I watched one it. I I watched some video on like like PBS or something one time <laughs> of like how liquid helium will like run out of a cup, like when like the the actual like it will defy gravity and and run out of the cup if you've got it in a cup. So I know that, and it's I think that it's probably the highest. Or it's the lowest temperature to condense, isn't it? Like Definitely. so, there's yeah. not a whole. Is that why they use it? There's just not a lot of
0: whole ex- yeah. expansion. I think it's just, just because of the, the the molecular size of it. It's it's just very um, searching. Yeah. It'll 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 find the smallest crevice or whatever else, and 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 it doesn't take a lot. Let's just say in in, in these CO2 ammonia installations, it literally could be a pinhole in twenty miles of welding.
1: Wow. Anything.
0: And I think that's the criticality of the, the equipment though. And that's something where we're always learning our technology is so strongly based on the welding. And, um, yeah. that's, I think one of our big di- differentiators is that, you know, our, our equipment's built to be durable. It's built to go in and, and, and last a lifetime. Yeah. Um, because there's no moving parts, there's no yeah. replaceable parts, but of course, you know, Nothing's perfect. You have the odd yeah. incident here and there. Most but, certainly, yeah.
1: something's going to happen with with every manufacturer. There, you know that that's a given. I, I do want to go back to where you were talking about, like with. I, I think that it's imperative that if you are if you've got the money to put in a CO two system, you should spend the extra two or four or six thousand, even if it's ten thousand dollars, because that's nothing compared to what it, it it's going to be if you release ammonium carbonate into your carbonate Carbamate. Carbonate. carbonate ammonium yeah. carbonate yeah it's not your mate it's not so. no it is not your mate <laughs> that's for sure <laughs> yeah so it's definitely that there i think that which i'm i think that that customer did end up putting did they did, the, they did. Uh, yeah so that i mean it's just such a for the cost of it, the early warning is what you need. Like that's mm-hmm. key, and the whole thing is to get to it as quick as possible.
0: Yeah, if you can isolate that off, uh, which um, which can be successfully done, then you're saving yourself having to clean out compressors and lines and and everything. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, lines, it's,
1: valves. We replaced every valve on that roof. We replaced every suction strainer in those compressors. It was everywhere. So you're like literally. It's not. It is nothing compared to the cost of if that stuff gets in your system. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Exception Uh, rather than the rule, though. Yeah,
1: most certainly. (laughs) Uh, what? How? how, What
0: about lead times, man?
1: How's that going with the uh, vodaros?
0: Yeah, strange times at the moment because um we don't seem to have a problem sourcing material, but I think like everybody else, it depends what price you got to pay for it. Yeah. Um, our manufacturing lead times are. Pretty competitive, but I think the issue we currently have is we're manufacturing in Europe, so we've mm-hmm. got an ocean in between us. Which, if you put it on the sea from Finland to the US, five six weeks. Mm-hmm. Or if you put it in the air, take maybe ten days door to door. But it's a, that's a hell of a premium to pay. Oh yeah. Um, so lead times, we're we're running pretty pretty good at the moment. Um, but and contrary to what a, a lot of other things I'm hearing but we're still struggling with freight and there's a lot of freight issues at the moment getting from Europe to the States. Yeah. Um, the great thing we have on the horizon though, is we, we made an acquisition back end of last year. Um, we purchased a facility and in their infrastructure just outside of Pittsburgh. And currently we are talking about having product coming out of that facility, Vartor's plate and shell product, uh, I would say July of this year.
1: Wow. So like manufacturing in the U S you got it. Um,
0: so nice. It, so you're, yeah, are y'all going to put that stamp
1: on there? Manufacturing in the
0: U S you, got it. I think the yeah, finished finish, finish will right? still need to stay on there. Don't, <laughs> our owners won't, won't give that one away, but it's, yeah, um, yeah. but no, it is. I mean, we're it, it is, it's, it's great. That acceptance I remember first coming to the States and when people know you just, you have an office in the States. Mm-hmm. it it makes a big difference um but it is one of these things it's part of that the character of the company um we are we we're, we're family owned um yeah. right, you know i'm very proud of of, of where it's when i started gosh i think we're about 50 people in the company total we're now getting towards i would say 350 400 maybe up towards wow. 400 now so it's it's really yeah. been a been a hell of a journey but yeah the Finnish flag. If, if we're gonna put an American flag, it, it'll it'll be next door Finnish one. I can show you. There you go. I
1: mean, man, it's a, there. There's a lot of people, especially in this industry, that if it, it makes a difference, if you stand, I would most certainly, especially in America, I would. I mean, not that obviously you can put put your flag, but like you know, just put "Made in America." That makes a difference with some
0: of these guys. Yeah, it, it, and it is. I think it's it's it's. it's being out being closer to the product you know be, being yep. able to see it I think also from a an inspection or an auditing standpoint or just checking progress have being able to not leave the, the US to have to be able to do that I think is is a big gain because you know it is it's a trek to Finland but um you know over the last 10 years we've we've got by we've found our markets and it's not just industrial refrigeration we do. Working offshore, we work in the chemical industry with the Dow's, the BASFs of this world, with mm-hmm. crude oil applications, um, a whole gamut of uh, steam systems. The steam cycle is very similar to the refrigeration cycle. Yeah. We do a lot of work in steam systems. So, um, but this this really creates a, a springboard to get into the day to day equipment, n- not having to be so special projects. You know, a lot of those. A lot of installations here, you know, people have been purchasing a heat exchanger before the compressor because basically of the freight component we have. Yeah. Um, So having something U.S. based and Pittsburgh's a great location for us to do that. Um, So hopefully later this year we'll be um, we'll be cutting it, you know, taking a good few weeks off our lead times.
1: Wow. Yeah, that's awesome. That That's really cool. So like if you had, let me ask you this, like I, because e- even I really haven't had a whole lot of issues out of the chillers mm-hmm. besides that one, like, I mean, yeah. even maintenance wise, like I've drained some oil out of the ones at the customer that I have. Um, and it, it the like, but as far as like troubleshooting, is there certain things that like guys should be looking for um, yeah. when it comes to the performance of the of
0: the heat exchanger? Yeah. Like, what are what are some of those things? Yeah, I think the things you look out for is you know, uh, say on a chiller, your outlet temperature. Are you making your outlet temperature? Is your pressure drop going up or down? I mean, if if you're seeing your outlet temperature fall off and the pressure drops go up, you've most probably got an, a fouled heat exchanger. If you're seeing pressure, drop, pr- uh, pressure drops fall off, maybe you have an integrity issue. You know, it, it, there's all these things. It, it, some, it, it'll tell you something. But but realistically, um, in refrigeration, you know, unless you had something like an open loop cooling tower water,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know, we're in clean systems. So if you don't put any dirt in, and you yeah. specify the right materials, then there really shouldn't be anything that, that can go wrong. Um, again, I think the big issue I've seen in terms of troubleshooting with exchanges, which helps troublesho- helps in that context is people looking far more and more at down these days. Yeah, here's my design point, but I'm going to be there 20% of the time, but what's happening down here when I, when I bring the system up, when I take it down and understanding those things, yeah. um, you know, I was just, and it's funny, I it's it's kind of great because I was actually just down in Texas the other week troubleshooting and we just, we we weren't getting outlet temp, it was a glycol system again and, um, you know, just starting to understand that and what we believed was happening was we just didn't have enough ammonia in the system. Yeah. So, you know, whether it be, you know, performance issues, it, it's really going in and understanding what's happening, but Um, low flow is, you know, more problematic than high flow, Mm -hmm. but you can monitor by your temperatures and your pressures.
1: Yeah. Do you have anybody that's got that like open uh, condenser? Like I, I, it's so funny you bring that up because I literally just talked to somebody today on Facebook about that. And I would, I completely missed what he was saying because his condenser froze up and Mm -hmm. I was thinking he was saying he had like a jacket water coil in the Mm -hmm. condenser. You know what I'm talking about? Yep so i didn't couldn't understand why that would make a difference i'm like turn the fans on and it still should cool it off you shouldn't need water that low and uh i completely missed it they use they have a common sump and they use the same water for the oil coolers mm-hmm. do y'all have you how often are you running into that have yeah, you we, ran into that
0: yeah we've seen it but I, and i think the difference here again there's an inherent difference between ourselves and shell and tubes they have a nice open flowing yes. tube more clear flow path you know, what gives us the better heat transfer is a tighter flow passage and, and you induce this degraded greater turbulence. So things will stick more if they're there. Yeah. So if you've got something like that, having a, a, a relatively coarse strainer on the inlet, on the water inlet will protect the heat exchanger. So rather than let the heat exchanger become the filter itself, a couple of hundred bucks on a filter would do it. I mean, we do have a big in fact, it's one of our largest installations in the US. It's, it's um, again, in the Atlanta area, but it's gasoline. It's cooling gasoline. And mm. it's 60,000 gallons an hour being processed through them. And it's being cooled at certain times a year by, by cooling tower water. And, um, and it's, it's open loop. So, again, you have to protect the exchanger from potential fouling, you know, sticks, Birds' heads or whatever it might be in there, but um, but just as effective as the heat transfer is, if it does get fouled, cleaning can be very effective as well because you get this almost self-cleaning effect in there. The 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 fluids that you're processing don't they're not allowed to get stagnant. They they have to move. They're being made to work.
1: Yeah, I've had that issue. Like I've I've had every time I've seen I've I've only had one personally that was like that, and and it had filter Recepts in it, and so. I bet every three months we had to tear those things down. Mm -hmm. And and I feel like there's just so much stuff that's floating through the air, dust, all types of crap. So it, when it's going through something that's heating, that's already taking the calcium out of the water and making it stick to the sides.
0: Well, that's, that's a key one, but water quality. How many times you somebody told you, Joshua, you know, we've got great water quality and you, you take a sample of it and you realize it's something different, I mean, but you, you mentioned a great one there about, um, you know, scaling and that kind of stuff. Trying to, you know, particularly with de-superheaters, you can get mm-hmm. it, you know, where you've got high gas temperature and you've got relatively cold water. Those are really susceptible. So we get mm-hmm. into a lot of systems. Actually, we've just developed a product called the multi-condenser. It's a desuperheater condenser and subcooler within one shell. Wow. And there's, there's a I think, a YouTube video out there somewhere that um, some of our development team put out. But again, it's in a way it's kind of contrary to heat transfer but you're kind of reducing the delta t between the the hot gas and the and the the water um and this product's one of its main areas and aims is in um heat pump systems heat recovery mm-hmm. heat pump systems and heat recovery so we're getting we're getting into all these kind of things but yeah water quality is yeah is is an interesting one but generically i would say most of what we have here in the states if it's an oil cooler it's a thermosiphon oil cooler. And and if it's a condenser, it's it's maybe it's more glycol based than water. Yeah,
1: uh, so we like with the YouTube video, where I I'm gonna have to get that from you before, or yeah. may, or just email it to me because I'll put it in the description and everything, just so that Great. people can see whatever the we'll technology do. is out there. Um, yeah, I mean that's. Ugh. Man, that's that's so crazy. Like you're got like I can't believe that y'all are on so many. Like the fr- that was when you told me that the, it was the, that y'all made oil coolers for Frick, and then it just like dawned on me at that point. Like I rem- like I'm, remember <laughs> seeing it. I'm like, oh shit! I never made connected the dots that that was y'all's chiller. Yeah,
0: I mean it's it's a great working relationship. Been there, I think we've been doing it since around 2000, and so wow. you combine that with Denmark and Brazil and China, it, it's 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 a um, a real big time and then other you know find ourselves on other compressor packages now. The the I don't know if you've seen the the Bitzer the ACP packages. Um, I haven't, but Bitzer Bitzer is really
1: coming up in the United States. Like they're making yeah. a ton of. not a lot of people are starting to put you know Bitzer packages in them
0: racks. Yeah, racks of those. So, so it is again, and I think part of it is just layout yeah. footprint, making the the package smaller, uh, and you know, and you. You get a faster response time in the system, maybe greater system stability, maybe even a longer lifetime out of the bearings of a compressor yeah. if you can keep the oil cooler.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Man, that's kick-ass. Man, all right, Jonathan. Well, dude, I appreciate That was a ton of good f- information. These guys are going to really, you know, because I'm sure that most people that see them are like, what the hell is this? So, you know, this is this was a good one. I was excited to do this.
0: It, it is it's great I, I you know thanks for the you know taking the time out to, to speak joshua you know we we are growing rapidly we we just have this one product and you know we we aim to do what we do as best as possible we, we it's not we don't have this diverse array of products it plate and shell mm-hmm. is what we what we have what we do and um you know what we hope to build on but uh no yeah. appreciate your time and um Hopefully, we'll cross paths in person at some point.
1: I'm sure we will. You know, and let me put that out there. Guys, you you heard it from them in the beginning of the podcast. Like they, there's not a lot of feedback that get to them. So if you have feedback, that that's how they improve their product. So, you know, it's not that they're not looking for it. It's that, you know, they're not receiving it.
0: Yeah, w- without doubt, and and you know some of our best successes have been collaborative work. We we have yeah. a we have a refrigeration test laboratory in Finland. We've we've designed units specific for customers. We've tested them there. We've tested them at their facilities. You know mm-hmm. those, those kind of partnerships are the, are the strongest ones.
1: Yeah, yeah, most certainly. Well, Jonathan, I appreciate you coming on, man, and have a great day. Thank you, sir. Appreciate your time.
0: God bless. All right. See you. Thanks, Jasper.
1: All right. Um, so if you. I, I'm not sure, you know. I'm I'm if everybody has seen the Vateris chillers, uh, if you can, if you look at the round ones, the smaller ones that are on um, the Frick thermosyphon packages, uh, you see them a lot in the heat exchangers, like for uh, you know, like glycol heat exchangers for. Cold water for plant cooling and like you know office cooling and stuff like that. They've really blown up. I've got I have a few of them here in Tennessee, um, and I've seen them all over the place. They're they're pretty cool chillers. There's hard they're once you when you first see one, it's very difficult to find out what it is. But you know they they're they're out there. They're all over the place. All right. Well, that is going to be it for today's podcast uh i thank jonathan for coming on appreciate you guys listening stay safe and have a good day or night or whatever